Festival Insider. Helping filmmakers traverse the scary world of film festivals. Hello and welcome to the very first ever Film Festival Insider podcast. My name is Spencer Hawken and the reason I'm here is to help you save money and a lot of heartache on your trip to film festival success. But first, it's time for a little bit of background as to why I am the Film Festival Insider. I have been working within the film industry in different capacities for probably a little over 20 years. This started from a period of poverty when I was living in a part of the UK called Cornwall and I was finding it incredibly difficult to find work. I'd moved to Cornwall for the quiet life uh, but what I hadn't realised is that the quiet life included a quiet life of employment and it was incredibly difficult to find work in Cornwall and as a result the only type of work that I could get would require me commuting 150 to 170 miles a day to get the kind of work that I'd been used to. As a lifelong film fan and somewhat of an expert in film I found myself writing for a lot of websites that paid you money so I'd write these articles and the website operators would generate revenue from the adverts that were associated with it and that's how I would earn some money. I wrote quite actively for sort of four to five years on these websites earning little tiny amounts of money but having a massive output and as time went on I was earning money through the articles that I'd put out there historically and obviously the new articles. So I generated by sort of four or five years in quite a sturdy income. My work was being published in magazines. I had a radio show. I ghost wrote reviews and comment for shows like uh, Channel 4's Big Breakfast. And I was even published in the New York Times, which was fantastic. Not bad for a person who, you know, found themselves almost unemployable at that moment in time. As I moved further and further into reviewing, I was asked by a number of film festivals to write reviews for films that they were showing and to blog for them. And then I started to transition into judging because they felt that my opinion mattered. When it got to uh, about 2011, I got to this point where I thought, actually, I'm probably an okay reviewer, but I might be a better reviewer if I trained in the art of film. So I took a film course, uh, about two years worth of courses, for a film school in London called Raindance. And I learned a lot. And by the time I finished this course, not only had it made me a better film reviewer, it had given me a thirst to make film. I'd written a script and I'd been fortunate enough to get it before some eyes and there was an offer to fund the film. Granted the offer was that the offer was quite a small budget, but it was enough that it would have made it worth a company that releases films directly to DVD or to on demand to have made some money out of it. So I uh, immediately agreed to do that. And then in the meantime, something else came up, which was 
I did this kind of community project, which was to make a horror film for free um, to prove that it could be done to try and encourage filmmakers to make a film. But, of course, the problem with this being is I knew nothing. I, I only knew what I learned from Raindance, and any filmmaker will tell you that what you're taught and what you actually do when you're in that position can be very, very different things. So it's 2013 now, and I made two films back-to-back, -back and I produced a third. During that whole process, um, I submitted my films to some film festivals, and I worked hard on with my experience of what I'd seen on film festivals that I judged then in terms of how to make the the submission page look, etc. But I'd also been taught through that process a neat trick, and that was that you could give a film festival an individual link to a copy of your film and but through doing it through a platform such as Vimeo you would be able to tell who had watched your film how long they'd watched it for and you'd get a better idea about how your film was performing always interesting to know if halfway through your film people are switching off so we thought that I thought that's a kind of like a fascinating way to go about it so yeah, I did it, which, of course, required a subscription, which was another chunk of money in order to do all this. But it ultimately probably saved me quite a lot of money and quite a lot of heartache through that process. And I'm going to explain why I say a lot of heartache. My films were not great films. They were not certainly not Oscar winning, certainly not going to set anybody's world on fire, but they were okay. They were okay compared to a lot of films that I'd seen submitted to a lot of film festivals. They had some interesting aspects to them. So the film that we made for nothing, I was fortunate enough to get a fantastic actress called Francesca Ciardi in it. And she made a film some years ago, which became one of the most controversial films ever made, and it was called Cannibal Holocaust. So she was in my free film. And then the film that had a budget, I gathered a whole selection of people from soap operas, sitcoms and movies together, and I kind of created characters for them that were polar opposite of the characters that we as a viewing public, had uh, become familiar with. And I think these two aspects obviously had a certain value, a certain monetary value in terms of films. So having followed this, this advice on Vimeo, etc., I submitted my films uh, to festivals that I'd cleverly researched and that I had experience of and that I had worked on. With a film that had a very low budget, I submitted to about 50 festivals and it was selected for three and the film that had a budget I submitted to about a hundred festivals and had an acceptance rate of zero so 
if you bear in mind that the average film festival costs anywhere between 10 and 30 pounds that's a lot of submission fees that have just gone by the by now let's go back to my zero budget film the film was selected for three film festivals it played at three film festivals and it won awards at three film festivals and they weren't necessarily they weren't you know high-end film festivals but they were okay growing festivals they're festivals that um, connected into IMDB which means that they'd been established over five years and yeah so they, they did have a certain value to them one of the one of the festivals was in London and that was fantastic and yeah there were some overseas screenings as well but when I went and looked at the Vimeo stats, it transpired that the film had been watched three times. So, you see a pattern here. Selected for three, watched three. My other top film, selected for no festivals, had no watches. None of them had actually watched it. So they've taken my money, and they've not watched my film. And that's left me with a really poor feeling towards film festivals because it doesn't matter whether your film is good or not if you're giving money to a film festival they have to watch it they can't just watch the trailer or read your director's biography or your synopsis or whatever and just decide actually we're not going to show this based on that surely they need to watch the film for a filmmaker that is a wake-up call you are technically feeding an organization money to look at your film and they're not even looking at it let alone screening it i'm going to go into slightly controversial territory here so hear me out as someone that's worked actively with these film festivals even if they didn't show the film you would think that they would at least pay me the courtesy of watching the film that I've submitted to their film festival. I never asked for any waivers. I paid to submit my film. And they didn't even extend the courtesy to watch it. And that made me feel even worse. So you could talk about bias here and you could talk about uh, nepotism. And I need to point out that although I'd worked with these festivals, at the time that I submitted my films to them, I did not work with them. I had worked for them. I'd worked for them in a voluntary capacity. I'd spent hundreds, possibly thousands of hours working to ensure that they had a perfect running festival. And if I was in a writing capacity, I would be making my writing appealing to encourage people to attend. And it's really started making me wonder about the potential clandestine scenarios that were happening in film festivals that maybe there were film festivals that were taking money and not delivering anything. So that's when I founded, with my partner, the Romford Film Festival. And we vowed from the offset that we would be an honest film festival. And I stand by that to this day. Uh, we are an honest film festival. We have grown over the years. We're now on our seventh year. And as part of that process, if you submit a film to the Romford Film Festival, 
I guarantee you categorically at least three people will see that film and a maximum of six. So a minimum of three and a maximum of six. This is a fact that I continuously plug when I'm talking about the film festival. And, you know, we can back that up. We want to make sure that people know their films have been watched when they're submitted to us. And if people ask us for the feedback, we can give the nice critical feedback or we can be as blunt as a sledgehammer, depends on how they want to receive that feedback. So that brings me to where I am here. There's some other things that happened along the sidelines. I've been involved in more film festivals. I judge on more film festivals. I've helped some film festivals set up and given them some guidance. And why are film festivals so important? And that's because generally film festivals are the gulf between selling your film and not selling your film. And let's not be kidding ourselves here. It's very, very hard to get money out of the film industry. We all dream about making a film and we all dream about making a film that's very, very good. And like Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity, they get picked up and sold and we make a lot of money. But the reality is... Unfortunately, there is as much chance as that happening as there is of you winning the lottery. And a lot of filmmakers don't get that. You need to be in this industry for the passion, not the money. And I will always stand by the fact that, yes, money is important, but you've got to prepare yourself. There are countries in the world, like the United Kingdom, where the independent film market while very, very active, is actually dead. It's dead in terms of selling your film. Nobody's buying. There's too many tick boxes that need to be achieved. And now filmmakers are going to the extent that they are putting their films out of their own channels. So they might be selling them through Vimeo or Amazon Prime or... They might even be producing their own DVDs and selling them through eBay, their own shops, or Amazon again. Self-distribution is the way forward for a lot of filmmakers, but for a very few, there is actually a chance that you will sell your film. But it is a few. And the chances are you're not going to sell your film in your own territory. And that the reason why your film sells is as a result of a successful run of screenings through film festivals. Hopefully now you have a very clear understanding of why I'm doing this. So as you listen to this, it may very well be that this is the only podcast that's currently available. But I'm going to back up everything I say through podcasts, vodcasts and through articles on a website. The website is currently in construction. Over the coming weeks, we're going to look at your film festival plan, working on your director's statement, how to complete your film freeway submission page, finding the right festival, eliminating the wrong festivals, doing festival research and submitting to those right festivals, being realistic, film edit and sound, budgeting, social media, reaching out and connecting with people, press kits, 
the importance of attending festivals, seeing the films of others, networking and the importance of connecting, supporting others, taking the criticism and learning from it, and will be joined by friends that I've made within the industry who are going to give you their expert guidance on what to do to be successful within the film festival arena. And that about wraps it up for the first episode of this podcast. I'm sorry that you've had to listen to the last 16 minutes of my uh, very strange West Country accent. That's a conversation for another time. But it's important that you understand what my background is and why I feel that I'm qualified to call myself the Film Festival Insider. In future episodes, as I've said, I'm not going to be alone talking to you, although those episodes will come up yet again. In the next episode of the Film Festival Insider, I have with me the wonderful, amazing... Peter Blunden. So Peter works as part of the selections committee on the Romford Film Festival, but more than that, he works on a number of other festivals, some of the biggest festivals in the world. And he is going to pass on his knowledge from those experiences to you, the listener. And I'm sure you're going to find it invaluable to listen to what he has to say. Now, so you've not just had to endure me for the last 20 minutes, I'm going to play you a snippet of an interview that I had with a really good friend of mine at the start of the pandemic era. So here is Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith, and she is known as the Film Festival Doctor, and she provides a fantastic service where she works for filmmakers to get their films into film festivals and as sort of like a level of management over those films within that that parameter. So here's an interview, as I said, I took with her a couple of years ago and she's going to share with you three tips for film festival success. Well, the first one would be is it's all about the story and the script. So it has to be a very good script with good dialogue, not boring dialogue, but well-written script. And the story has to have some kind of flair and creativity to it. So some kind of story that isn't conventional, A, B, C, D, boy meets girl, boy gets the girl back. We know that story inside out. So tell us something that's a lot more edgy, visionary, and also something that takes risks, because that's going to be more interesting for festivals and the audiences at festivals too. Number two would be sound, like, I can't forgive bad sound. I can't take a film on that sound when you're muffled or it's from the camera. It needs to be professional sound. And that is something people do miss sometimes, shorts especially. Um, so that's something crucial. And the third one would be the length. So there is a little rule that any short film can be shorter. And that even a film that's amazing could be a bit shorter. Mm. So you've got to be really ruthless and just think, do I need it to be that length? Can it be a bit shorter to really have that punch? And the answer's probably gonna be yes. Some films you do think could be a bit longer when you see a short, it does happen occasionally, but most of the time to get it where it needs to be a short, tighten it up as much as you can, and don't go too indulgent. So keep it the right length it needs to be. Features as well, mm. same with the feature, um, but just really have someone else review it and kill your darlings, because that way you'll get awards. That's all, folks. 
See you on the next episode of the Film Festival Insider. 